0: Hello and welcome to Platforms for Future. This podcast is about building and scaling B2B platform ventures to help you to accelerate and de-risk your journey with practical tips and insights. In our conversations, we talk to founders, executives, and experts uncovering what they experienced and learned building their ventures. But we also cover new trends like ecosystem strategies, IoT and data platforms. Web3 and sustainability. This podcast is complementary to our Platform Innovation Kit toolset and the Platform Academy, where you can find more tools and learning opportunities for you and your team. For more information, please visit PlatformInnovationKit.com.
1: And now, enjoy today's conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of our podcast, Platforms for Future. Um, as usual, i'm here with my lovely co-host natalie hi natalie
2: hi matthias
1: and natalie we have two guests today in our episode we have uh, katharina hölzler and mark Prestel from the uh, Hasu platner institute hello katharina hello mark
0: hi very nice to be here
1: hi thanks for having us <laughs> Cool. Uh, Yeah. We are also very lucky to have you both here in our podcast and we will talk about a very Mm -hmm. special topic or maybe two topics in once uh, as we have two guests. First, we want to talk about the co-creation of a platform uh, by multiple companies together. So we also see this as a trend in the market that companies come together and say, "Mm, I don't want to tackle this journey by only by myself i want to do it together with another company maybe it gives us some advantages but we also see that um, yeah it's not often going very well so we also see some uh, examples where uh, the co-creation starts and then uh, one, two, three years later, it uh, breaks apart. So we will talk about this one. So what are success factors about um, yeah, jointly creating a company? And in the second part, we will also for- talk about data platforms. Um, we heard about data, data as the new oil, etc. And we also saw a lot of, trying to build up data platforms and um, but so far there was not really a huge success case out there people can uh, reference to and so we let's talk about data platforms is there really um, a room for data platforms out there or what is a good model for them so uh, before we go into those details, and please, can you give our listeners a short introduction about yourself, who you are, what you are doing, and yeah, just that our listeners know who you are. Maybe ladies first, Katarina. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. So um, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm at the Hassel Institute at the University of Potsdam and I'm leading the research group, IT entrepreneurship, where we focus obviously on all questions of digital entrepreneurship, digital ecosystems, digital platforms, digital innovation. And next to this, I'm also um, part of the commission of experts for research and innovation that the German government, and here the question of digital platforms actually is a very relevant one that uh, we have been discussing for quite some time.
3: I I move on. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for handing over, Katarina. Um, Well, a few words about myself. Um, By education, I'm an industrial engineer and I'm an external PhD candidate at the chair of uh, of Katarina, um, the chair of IT Entrepreneurship. At the same time, as I mentioned, I'm an uh, external PhD candidate. Um, I'm working uh, for Freudenberg Group, uh, headquartered in in Weinheim, where we strive for uh, new digital business models, the digital transformation of such a huge corporation, and uh, tackle the challenges and the topics of the futures. And uh, in there, uh, digital platforms, but also data ecosystems, a topic of interest where I really put my research research focus on but also have my common and uh, yeah common interest uh, from a practitioner point of view
1: thank you um, so let's go first into our um, into our first topic uh, talking about co-creation of platforms um, so as mentioned before we see this kind of trend that companies uh, have a motivation not only or let's not 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 <laughs> just start this journey of building a platform by themselves, but they want to do it together with another company. Um, Do you see also this trend? Um, Have you done some research on this and and maybe what kind of um, reasons or motivations you see behind this?
3: Well, maybe maybe I can start here. Yeah, definitely a good question. Um, well, if, if you have a look on uh, what went on in the past in the field of, of platforms, especially in industry, there were a lot of failure stories sold as learning curves. Yeah, But um, thinking about um, Trump, for example, GE Braddix, yeah? and, and they were very much driven by one company, um, ending up um, with initiatives such as Adamos, um, where um, different, um, especially German machine manufacturers, came together um, and um, moved on with a with with somehow the same vision, the same goal: establish one um, digital platform um, for machine manufacturers. Um, but well, um, the success. Re- Rate, as you mentioned, Matthias, at the very beginning, um, is is still yeah. There's room for improvement. Yeah, uh, the adoption rate is is quite little. There's a lot of marketing material, white papers out there um, to really. Catch potential future users of such platforms, but um, the breakthrough did not take place yet. Yeah, at least from my perspective, and um, this is what we've seen um, at the at the very beginning of our research. Yeah, where we said, "Well, is this really this centralized manner of?" Um, Of IoT, of uh, IoT in industry, um, is this really the most promising one, or does it need to have uh, different approaches here, more decentralized ones? Yeah, talking about uh, data spaces and uh, data ecosystems here, for example.
1: You mean there is a lot of written things out there, like white papers explaining success factors, etc., but. The core assumption behind that a kind of a centralized platform can be run by multiple companies is maybe wrong. So maybe a decentralized platform is the most, the better way or the better type of a platform for a, let's say, decentralized organization behind.
0: Well, I mean, it's quite interesting that we're now trying to actually take the platform phenomenon, which is per se a centralized phenomenon, right? I mean, this is what a platform is about. It brings together uh, buyers and sellers or, you know, people on that platform. So the very nature of a platform is to be centralized. And what we have seen is that those platforms that are really successful, that are huge, they are run by one company. So, you know, looking in in the B2C world, especially, we, we have all of them. We have Alibaba, we have eBay, we have Amazon. So this is very much centralized. Now, if we look into the B2B world, this is what Mark just mentioned. We suddenly realized that those underlying mechanisms that actually build platforms, they don't work as well as we would assume. So the notion of being a centralized platform, which actually gives you all those networks effects and scaling effects and, and every all the promises we see with these platforms, they don't hold in a B2B world. And, and that's kind of where we started the research, where we wanted to understand better why is it not working? I mean, what is it that companies be in a B2B world don't see those promises? We all expect from a theoretical perspective and from real life and B2C, why is it not working? And that's kind of where we we started. I guess that to me that
2: raises two questions. Why one is so why is it not working? And two, because it's not, you know, when we look at B2C, we naturally, intuitively, it might seem that it should be working, right? So uh, maybe companies have not yet realized, or the market has not yet realized that it's not working. But the other thing is uh, maybe they don't want to see that it's not working because that means they would have to work together with other partners or competitors and to co-build platforms and that might be a bit scary for for quite a lot of companies so it's i guess it's one on one hand awareness of it's not really working and why and secondly okay but that means we've got to you know work together and and uh, so how do we go about this
3: yeah, well, I I definitely agree, Natalie. Yeah, and um, there are a lot of success stories in the B two C field out there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, B two B companies are somehow inspired of this success. Yeah? Inspired in the private environment, and they want to transfer this success towards the field of B two B. But yeah, B two B is different. Yeah, it, it's not that easy. Yeah. Um, in the B two C field, it's it's quite very much about transactional data, yeah? um, data that is not that of that much value. Yeah? It's about this matchmaking character uh, quite often. Whereas in the field uh, of B two B, well, um, Matthias, you mentioned it at the beginning. Data is the new oil, yeah, and uh, no company wants to reveal this oil um, or leak it with others, yeah, and and this is a, a huge hurdle, yeah. Um, there's a lot of potential about collaboration, um, not only internally firm internally but all, also um across firms boundaries uh, along the whole supply chain yeah a um, lot of firms talk about it uh, but they are still hesitant when it really comes to specific um yeah implementations or or use cases yeah and um well a, a use case i do have in mind um is for example collaborative condition monitoring but we we can maybe cover on that later on yeah
0: yeah, I, I wanted to uh, immediately jump into what Mark just said. So I think, Natalie, you ask about the why and this notion of we are just exchanging information, you know, that's not very important for us. That works perfectly. That's transaction. Now, if we think about collaboration, we are revealing ourselves. We are making ourselves vulnerable because we are revealing information, data, things about our product, our services, our customers to the other partners. And this is what is so different in this new sphere, maybe call it, in the B2B platforms that obviously we have transaction platforms that works very well with a centralized approach. But if we talk about collaboration, it is so much more because it's not a one-off relationship, right? It's continuously building relationship. It's revealing proprietary information. It's making ourselves vulnerable to the others. And this is where the company struggle. And this is, and this comes to your second question, Natalie, about why do the companies feel suddenly so anxious? And this is exactly the point if they don't know the other players, and and this is actually a very important precondition, for companies who are used to work together, who have been doing this for many, many years, such an interaction and collaboration on a platform, on a digital platform, actually works quite well. Now, for those companies who don't know the other partners, that is quite a hurdle, and this is kind of where they stop. and I think this kind of leads to what Mark just started about you know the example of a, a conditional monitoring.
1: This is a very good point. so um, so you mentioned at the beginning, Katharina, the marketplaces are about bringing t- together supply and demand. But what we also learned is we have done uh, a research on about 400 B2B platforms in Europe. We also learned about in a B2B space, it's about collaboration, it's about removing inefficiencies in uh, between them, and and, and focusing on collaboration. And and you also mentioned about revealing data and so on. So and then collaboration. So what I have we have also done a project uh, using blockchain. Uh, which allows you to collaborate, but not revealing the data itself. So we have done a project where multiple companies could exchange the status of informations using blockchain, but without revealing the data itself. So it keep them uh, kind of yeah, private, the data. But at the end, it removed an inefficiency in the whole process uh, using a decentralized uh, blockchain platform. Um, and this at the end will also create a kind of a trust between the companies so they can trust the process. They can trust uh, build trust in collaborating, but without revealing the data. Is this something like a trend or something also which is coming out of your research? Would you say this could be something like a pattern uh, for for data and collaboration platforms in the B2B space?
3: An um, in- Interesting point, um, Matthias, that you make here. Um, and I-, I definitely see this trend. Um, there are a lot of uh, startups focusing on exactly this value proposition. They say, well, leave the data where it is uh, we compute it for you and we encrypt it for you and then transfer not the data the raw data just the information that is actually of value um, for a certain company that has interest in this information yeah um, and and there are startups out there there's one in Berlin um, focusing on that yeah and and um, but there are also a lot of American counterparts doing exactly this yeah offering this value proposition and this brings me to the point, yeah, uh, to the keyword collaborative condition monitoring. Yeah, maybe. Little excurs um, from from the, the Freudenberg perspective. Yeah, um, uh, one of our subsidiaries is active in uh, the process industry, and uh, taking the the example of a pump here. Yeah, within a pump as a system, you have a lot of components. Yeah, and the pump OEM acts as a system integrator. But what we see currently is that the component manufacturer, all by themselves, they work on proper IoT solutions, yeah, um, well, leading to the fact that at the end user side, um in the process industry, well, you, you have exactly uh, numerous applications yeah, that that um, needs to be handled uh, by the end user. And from a um, user experience point of view, that's somehow a catastrophe having um, more than 20 applications here installed on your on your phone, and then um, checking all the different subcomponents, be it a seal, be it a drive, be it a bearing. Yeah, and um, this is where this collaboration aspects need to be really leveraged, yeah, ending up with a better experience, leveraging the the hidden potential that lies with data because all or nearly all are measuring the same and really, yeah, um, improve uptime. And that's what it's all about in the process industry.
2: Can you, so um, just for clarity, I guess, uh, uh, on my side, can you define collaborative conditions when nurturing and maybe give a couple of uh, examples
3: yeah definitely for sure Natalie yeah um, I brought it up yeah this term um, but it's not from myself Um, I I read a a quite inspiring white paper by platform industry 4.0 so somehow a governmental driven institution um, and um, they revealed a white paper on exactly this use case, um, where they also uh, brought up um, um, similar examples that I just gave with with the pump in in the process industry. And what it is about is really All firms do or uh, aim to offer condition monitoring by themselves but well where where where's the value Um, the value is when when all component manufacturers really work together pool resources and resources in the sense of data in the sense of data analytical capabilities but so far well, they stick to silo logic. Yeah. Um, um well, uh, Freudenberg is working on it. Yeah. Our competitors are working on it. Yeah. The bearing manufacturers do the drive manufacturers like ABB, um, Siemens, they do, but what we do not see is true collaboration based on, on the gathered data. Yeah. And, and this is exactly what is collaborative condition monitoring about breaking those silos. Yeah. And to really, um, yeah, uh, aim to um, leverage the potential that lies with this data and improve uptime uh, at the very end.
0: And actually, that already shows the problem, like the deep core problem of it all. And I'm still thinking, Matthias, about your example, and i try to relate to that in, in a minute. So, Collaborative condition monitoring means that there is no one Who owns the data. So if we take an example, for example, from car manufacturing, obviously, if we take a Tesla, Tesla owns the data, right? So they actually determine what is the status of the car? Do we want to give it an upgrade or not? So there's one single interface. Now, We know that German manufacturers tried this as well, but then the German automotive suppliers said, oh, no, 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 the brake system is from us. You know, that's our data. We don't give the data to you. And then the wheel manufacturer came and said, no, 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 you know, that from, from, from the wheels, that's our data. So this notion of who owns the data and who can build value up on it is fine as long as as it is centralized, like Tesla. It's very hard if we talk about we do it together and actually it's not only Mercedes being, you know, the one interface to the customer, but it's actually Continental, Bosch, Freudenberg, you name it. So Matthias, your example made me think that if we put the data in a blockchain and we don't reveal the data, but only kind of the address of the data, I don't think that's going to work, is it? Because we actually, we need the raw data to put it together and then create more out of it.
1: I think there are two use cases we are talking about here. So one with the blockchain is about collaboration and uh, each party involved can keep the data private for themselves. But in our case, it was more about the process. So the, the people asked, was it kind of a status achieved? So let's say, or going a little bit back, it was about um, uh, the process. And let's say there's a, a car manufactured in the process and uh, each party involved in the manufacturing process is doing a, a single part or a single step. And uh, we want to know at which stat- st- uh, state of the process is this car. and uh, But without... Or, uh, revealing the exact data, how far I'm with uh, or certain kind of information about the wheel or the the engine or whatever and just uh, state in the blockchain uh, what is the status and so everybody could collaborate without going and to try to link the databases with each other and whatever or maybe making requests by email or whatever. So this is a kind of a collaboration. So I collaborate and most of the times in the collaboration I want to learn about the status. Uh, is this ready? Is it not ready? etc. In your case, it's more about really about the data itself. So it's another case we are talking about. And then it's about uh, condition monitoring and really maybe bringing the different conditions from single parts into a bigger picture. What is the machine and not as only the condition of a single part. And then when you talk about the whole machine, then uh, it's about really uh, revealing the data itself or maybe bringing it together. But this is then another case.
0: Exactly. And maybe and this leads directly to Mark's uh, work, because that is a fundamental difference we found in uh, the research that true collaboration means joint shared value creation. So it's, you know, like the example you gave, that's for us. It's not collaboration. That's like working together. But collaboration really means putting the different parts together so that they are inter- intertwined and you can't just solve them. Right, Mark? Isn't, yeah. isn't I mean, yeah. I think that was a major... Um, revelation in your process when you started to see that oh actually that's kind of the crucial point
3: absolutely yeah so uh, this is where we differentiated between cooperation and collaboration yeah so what we see is a lot of cooperative driven um, platform approaches. Yeah, so uh, talking about transactional characterized platforms. Yeah, you you have data, you match it. Yeah, and whenever the demand is satisfied, well, transactional um, and business purpose is needed. And uh, well, um, this is where transactional um, uh, transaction platforms come into play. Yeah, and we see them a lot also in B2B. But when it comes to true collaboration about pooling resources. Well, a lot of firms talk about it, but the success is quite limited so far, yeah. Um, because, well, all have the fear, and this brings me to the to the, the research we just recently conducted. Um, all see fears in revealing some packages of data. Yeah, they have the fear that whenever I reveal and share data with others. Another market companion might uh, um, might be able to to analyze the data in a different manner, in a better manner, yeah, and and create more value out of it than the company um, that, that uh, originally gathered the data, yeah, and and there are a lot of challenges um, that um, we identified that give reason or explanation um, towards the absence of such data ecosystems so far
1: good that we clarified that so my example was maybe an early stage thing and uh, maybe level one and you're talking about the next level really about true collaboration so it's good that we clarified that and uh, so can you give a kind of a, a an easy beside of uh, um, your example um, can you give another example about true collaboration you see a kind of a yeah a best practice so de-
3: definitely, yeah. There are a lot of uh, use cases and examples out there. Yeah, uh, think about the automotive industry. Yeah, um, and think about well, um, the Lieferkettengesetz, the supply chain regulation. Yeah, that will be put into practice by 2023, if I'm informed correct. Um, and um, well, here the automotive industry really needs to be transparent as possible about what parts. Um, was produced when, uh, has which origin, and went into which system and into which overarching system, yeah? Um, Or think about the CO2 footprint, yeah, of of products, yeah? Another example, yeah? And this only can be served uh, when... All partners, all firms along the supply chain, really share data among each other. Yeah. Um, if they do not, um, one ca- cannot receive. Uh, yeah. Um, somehow meet this requirement that is made um, uh, governmental-wise. Yeah. And and this is where where initiatives such as Catena X come into play. Yeah. Maybe you heard about it. Yeah. Um, they they just kicked it off um, beginning of August officially a lot of uh, pre-discussions earlier in 2021, settling up on 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 the the principles of another European project Gaia X, yeah, um, where they really want to foster the idea of decentralization, yeah, and working together on a data level, yeah, and. Um, there are a lot of use cases out there. Um, Katina started, I guess with, with 10, roughly 10, um, where they really want to, to put focus on one is, um, the CO2 footprint. Yeah. another one is to serve the, the requirements that the, the lever and Gazettes raises here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I can imagine about when, when you talk about CO2 and data sharing about CO2, um, uh, um, uh, this can work because it's um, the motivation for the companies is really high to let's say to reveal this data and also to showcase hey we are uh, kind of yeah co2 neutral or whatever and then it helps everybody um but uh, do you have other cases where let's say really about um, very sensitive data of course co2 is very important for everybody and also for our environment and the society but more going into uh, sensitive data about production and and, and financial uh, data. Do you have an example regarding that one? Because I'm a little bit skeptical that, uh, as you said, companies have the motivation to really share this data. Yeah.
3: Well, well. If if I may, Katarina. Yeah. Um. There, there is another example that I do have in mind. Um. Concerning the railway industry. Yeah. Um. So there is a POC currently going on. Um. The 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 rail data space. Uh, quite. Um. High related to the mobility data space that we see out there. Um. Where. Um. Yeah. Uh, the train manufacturer. Uh, work together with with Knorr-Bremse, yeah, on a use case related towards um, predicting um, uh, the uptime of, of of doors. Yeah, a lot of uh, time you see a sign on on the ice door saying, "Well, the door is out of order." Yeah, and uh, they work together on a data level the train manufacturer, as well as Knorr-Premser, among others, um, to really work on such use cases. And this is, this is process data, yeah? Um, the, um, the door manufacturer itself um, measures about the condition. Um, the, the train manufacturer has the overarching system level, yeah? And they work together to really improve the uptime of the door performance, so to say, yeah? And um, this is what I, what I have in mind with respect to the process Process related cases, in addition to the one that I brought up at the beginning um, concerning the pump or uh, rather the process industry. Yeah.
0: It is actually quite interesting because what we currently see is that the industry is kind of sorting itself, right? They still have to find the use cases. So I think the number of use cases we see in Germany is like, maybe you have, you know, on on both hands, you can count on both hands. So it's really a lot about trying out because the reason, and this leads us back to kind of the beginning of our conversation is Where is the value proposition and where is the business model and where can we actually build that platform jointly so that none of the partners feel that they are overruled? So a lot of companies are currently trying out those shared and decentralized platforms where all of them contribute equally. With the same amount of data, with the same sensitivity of data, to see how can we create that joint value and how can we jointly um, capitalize on this. And this is why we also, you know, the um, the notion of that there is like one huge player in the market, like Siemens Mindsphere, offering a platform to all of the others. The small and medium-sized companies are actually very reluctant because they don't know what happens with our proprietary data. So currently we see a lot of minimum viable products probably or prototypes where companies actually play around how could such a platform look like, how is the legal and the economical um, logic in these platforms, how do we share the value? Who belongs? Uh who, who who owns the data? And I think, and here we have different initiatives also supported by the German government, like for example, in the AI innovation competition, where, for example, as Mark just mentioned, Gaia X platforms. Uh, So uh, the underlying structure where then scientific institutes, universities, companies all get together and and try out, you know, how could such a platform look like? Should it be incorporated as an eingetragener Verein or do we have like uh, a, a common stakeholder structure and so on and so on? But it all kind of resolves around the question. How do we share the value created on this platform? And how do we trust each other?
4: Dear listeners, I hope you enjoy our podcast and you can learn more about building and scaling a successful platform business. I'm Matthias, CEO of Fastbreak One. And as you know, we at Fastbreak One are platform entrepreneurs by heart. Since over 20 years, we are building new platforms and this makes us one of the most experienced platform venture builders around the globe. If you are a corporate and you tried out different strategies, consultants, IT partners, but your platform initiative struggles to scale, please check out our assessment services. For example, we worked closely together with a leading insurance company who tried to establish a platform for two years, but the results were below expectations and the risk to fail was very high. Within one month, we helped them to understand the bottlenecks and created a step-by-step plan to scale. Today, we are working very closely with the company and the platform became a market leader. Yes, we are no consultants, we are entrepreneurs and we love to share the risk and go full in in building new platform ventures. Learn more about our experience and our practices of work at our website www.fastbreak.one or send us an email to contact at fastbreak.1. And now let's go back to the conversation
2: think there's a, a really interesting case that we probably need uh, to dig into in France it's it's called uh, bienici.com it's a real estate uh, platform and actually uh, 15 competitors got together to build uh, a, a real estate uh, advertisement or property advertisement platform so actually when you think about it it's the gold right it's it's uh, uh, really there. Th- th- Core value that they have somehow put together. So I think it might be interesting, maybe Mathias, that we we invite them also. Uh, uh, but it, I think it's a real good case because they're now the third platform in France uh, for um, property advertisement. Uh, in in just a, a few years, they've uh, you know uh, overcome all a, a lot of um, hurdles, and they are. Uh, uh, putting forward the fact that they are really uh, focusing on a user-centric and privacy data privacy platform, so I, I, you know, I don't really know how they they did it, but but I think it might be an interesting case uh, uh, to look at. Uh, so it's B two C, but still. You know, when you think about the the importance of the value uh, of the data that they are sharing, uh, I think it could be a a really interesting uh, learning case.
1: Yeah, definitely. Very, very good. Um, But I think we also need to distinguish here. So um, we also talked to Prisma, Prisma Capacity. is a platform here from Germany, but um, run by multiple stakeholders and shareholders from all over Europe. And so it's a kind of a joint initiative, uh, a joint platform owned or owned uh, jointly by multiple shareholders, but it's a platform, a kind of a marketplace for capacities of guest trading. Um, but this is then, they are running a centralized platform, but they yeah distributed the shares of the centralized platform. In our case, we talk about data data sharing. Um, and um, so Mark, what you mainly described is about Uh, with with the ICE and the train, et cetera, it's like three or four companies coming together and they learned major impact to let's say the downtime of a door are three, four factors. And those three, four factors are coming from three, four different companies. And if we can, if those companies can work together, they can also jointly create a service for uh, Deutsche Bahn and uh, bring this service together to Deutsche Bahn and they have together also a shared revenue model. But for me, it's still not a platform. A platform is really like bringing together supply and demand. And here we are back with the with the topic about data sharing, data supply and demand kind of marketplace thing. Um, and we heard about the industrial data space. The industrial data space also Put some research on it and they created a kind of a model of how could a data platform a data marketplace look like and for example we started to work together with deutsche Telekom. they took the, the let's say the blueprint the concept of the industrial data space and they implemented it with the data intelligence hub but what when you go to the intelligence hub right now what you see is of course they trade data but this is open data. So they take data, which is already openly available from cities or whatever, and they put it on a, on a marketplace, but it's not really sensitive data. This is data you can find. If you search for it, you can find it. Of course, maybe the marketplace helps you to find it a little bit faster, but it's not really sensitive data. It's not so so, so crucial data. So yes, it maybe works, but it's for me, it's not really a blueprint that, or kind of a proof that really works. So, um, um, so looking at your research, do you found some one or two points where you say, yes, if you really want to go into true collaboration and, uh, and bringing and building a marketplace or kind of a platform type of thing, what, what kind of one, two, three major success factors have to be in place is there is other kind of yeah, things?
3: An uh, uh, interesting point that you are making here, Matthias. Yeah, uh, and this is exactly somehow the starting point of my research. Yeah, we made exactly this observation. Yeah, um, if there's some data. Shared, exchanged among different partners. Well, then it's not that critical data. It's not that sensitive data as you termed it. And uh, well, yes. um, So we went out, uh, conducted uh, more than 30 interviews with with experts related to initiatives such as Catena X, for example, yeah, um, experts uh, in the field of Gaia X. And we ask, well, why are firms hesitant about joining data spaces, data ecosystems, even the potential, yeah, um, is at hand. Yeah, it's so huge, but um, well, everyone talks about it. But when you uh, think about the real implementation and uh, research it a bit, um, you see it's quite limited. And now coming to your point, the success factors—they um, are manifold. Yeah. Um, it's not about taking the social perspective only, nor the technical perspective only. It's about the combination, the socio-technical perspective, yeah? And this is what we could reveal, yeah? Um, we, we were able to reveal four major dimensions, the technological, the human, the organizational, and the business perspective, yeah? And uh, business-wise, just to um, pinpoint here one example, one really needs to be put one overarching business model into place in such a data space where everyone is somehow happy with his piece of cake that he gets. And so far, we do not really have this mechanism, an automated mechanism to scale um, uh, um, accordingly um, to to identify the value of of contribution and the data itself. And and this is where the problem lies from a business perspective to to really um, uh, capture the value. and share it accordingly, yeah, um, in, in terms of monetization. But Katarina, yeah.
0: To add to what Mark just said, independent from the dimensions we're looking at, what we have realized is that this whole notion of platforms requires a new mindset and a relearning or reskilling of the companies. So Mark just gave the example of a business dimension, but also for the technological perspective, obviously, and the organizational um, dimension, this is new stuff. This is, you know, a thinking in terms that companies are not used to. They they know how the business worked in the past. They know that this mostly was linear. Uh, It was process-wise. And now it's a complete different perspective so they need new and other technological skills they need a different organization they need a different understanding of business terms how that value is created and that actually is you know probably the most important challenge
1: a very good point and this leads me to um, a thought i have um to web three um So as you said, in the past, we had those linear models. The companies are keen to that. Now we are in the digital economy ruled by platforms. The companies are learning that model, try to adopt this model. (laughs) But when it comes to data, it's all about trust. So it's what you said. So the people or the companies, they need to trust. How do you uh, use my data? Can we really have a shared revenue model? So all all is digital and you have to build trust in a digital world. And this leads me to web three. So maybe as a next kind of inflection point of how we do business and to really unlock the power of data platforms is like, um, we have to go into this web three world because in the web3 world we also talk about digital organizations so like a decentralized autonomous organization or a digital organization so you put in all the rules and the government governance structure into uh kind of yeah contracts digital contracts and this creates a lot of trust among each other and uh, is this something you also see that maybe we to really unlock Data platform potentials. We have to go into a Web three environment and in a Web three mindset, thinking and so on.
3: Maybe, if I may, here, uh, Matthias, uh, interesting thought. Yeah, and um, uh, this thought is, uh, f- well, at least from my interpretative view. And standpoint quite similar, what what IDS, the the International Data Space Association proposed. Yeah, um, they they proposed a, a governance body, yeah, including a certification body, a neutral one, yeah, um, that uh, takes care of of certifying um, the technical components, but also new entrants, be it a data user or data consumer. Yeah, and um, uh, this. Uh, why? Why is this needed? Because of what you mentioned—the major point, trust. Yeah, to foster trust, digital trust towards the technical components, but also trust among potential business partners that do not know themselves yet. Yeah, uh, each by each other, and um, this is. This is exactly what, what needs to be fostered, what we also covered in our research and were, were able to derive that, that such certification institutes play a crucial role in, in, in the near future yeah, um, to really make such approaches such as Catena and the motor field running um, in, a, in a successful manner.
0: I'm not sure, Matthias. I'm <laughs> not sure. It's like, we, we hope, right? We hope that Web 3.0, or Web 3 will bring the remedy. I think this notion of moving from a centralized web to a decentralized web, where we don't know how those actors are actually How are they created? How are they certified? Who is issuing those governance mechanisms? Um, That will require a lot of learning and unlearning. I do see the potentials. I like to believe. However, as we are as societies, as a world, as humans, coming from this centralized notion, I think it will be rather hard and it will still require strong players who shape the web three. And if we talk about strong players, we are again, kind of, you know, that's a contradiction. That's what we don't want. So I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to that. I'm eager to see how it will develop. But right now I'm actually pretty skeptical. Yeah.
1: You're, 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 you're both right. Um, We are, at the beginning, and we see some early things like, let's say some 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 minor things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, or whatever. So those those kind of decentralized organizations, they 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 start with a very simple use case, um, but it's the starting point that we need to we need to have a look at. So I think, oh, we have uh, discussed a lot of great points here, <laughs> and I love this whole conversation, and like it can go on for hours. Um, um, yeah, Natalie, you also want to maybe. No, well, I, I was going to ask a question, question. but
2: <laughs> now you're saying it's too late. So. Yeah. Oh. No, it's not too late.
1: Maybe <laughs> just one last question, but I think no. we, we could also maybe schedule a part two, <laughs> maybe <laughs> after you finished your research and um, you found out more. But it, I, I really, really like the conversation. It can go on and go on, uh, because it, it's there are a lot of points we can discuss, and um, yeah, it really. I like it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, no I I am not going to ask my question otherwise I will uh, yeah be there for another half hour but uh, maybe like you said we can schedule a, a follow up uh, Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Maybe, uh, so what we generally do uh, as a a closing uh, comment, we ask our guests what uh, would be uh, maybe the most important advice that they would give, uh, so in in this case, to maybe um, companies or groups of companies who want to try and work together. So do you have uh, maybe uh, some kind of uh, great advice Magic advice? What do you want to give, or maybe not so magic, but some kind of advice, Katarina?
0: Maybe it is. It is not magic, right? It's just the advice: go out there, try it out, fail, and get up again. It's none of us knows the answer, and it will only work if we all work together, learn together maybe fail together and then we do.
3: Yeah, let let me jump on uh, jump in here. Uh, I, I definitely agree with Katarina. It's a it's about uh, a generation of learnings. Yeah, but um, my major recommendation um, from a managerial standpoint would be being open towards the new. Yeah, and um, have a vision, create a vision, a joint vision together with partners. Yeah, that you pre-selected. And then uh, coming from um, this vision, uh, and, and slice the elephant, yeah, uh, derive um, a specific deliverables, yeah, um, a sm- uh, the achievement of milestones, and then having smaller successes. Towards the final goal, the, uh, achieving the vision, yeah, and this is what it's all about: slicing the elephant, having specific use cases, yeah, that you implement, POCs, MVPs, yeah, and then have somehow a proof of success of what you're doing, yeah, and and this is. Um, what, what people are aiming for in the context of Catena X and, and related initiatives. And I'm very much looking forward how this goes, um, because it's it's a huge journey um, that they have on their agenda. And it's quite challenging. But, uh, well, let's rather be optimistic about than uh, pessimistic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. And as we also said, uh, change isn't made by watching from the sidelines. So put your skin in the game, uh, put yourself into the game, try it out, learn as fast as possible. Um, Katharina, Mark, thank you very, very much for joining our conversation. It was a pleasure, a lot of insights. I also think our listeners will listen to this episode twice or three times uh, because uh, uh, there are a lot of insights in in it. Um, Yeah, and maybe we can have another conversation uh, after you finish your research and then we can compare what you have said now uh, compared to your final research results.
2: (laughs) Yeah, th- thanks a lot. Indeed, I would like you to come back. <laughs> and There's plenty to learn and to exchange on this topic. We are at the very beginning of this topic, in fact. And I, I, I often say on this podcast that I feel that um, uh, the, the next thing is really to get those ecosystems of companies working together. Uh, it's not at, at least on B2B. I mean, your starting comment about, uh, you know, the fact that in B2B, um, Single uh, centralized platforms were not really working. Um, I really, uh, you know, feel this. Um, I think we are still quite, you know, at the beginning of the journey, like I said. But uh, yeah, so uh, very much looking forward to the uh, uh, the outcome of your research and to inviting you again. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. It was very mind stimulating. So I think uh, speaking, uh, at least for me, uh, would love to come back and uh, have another chat. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah, thank you uh, from my side as well. Nothing to add. Yeah, it was very inspiring. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to, to share uh, future research results. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Me too.
0: <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.